0: Today is Wednesday, January 17th, 2024, and this is the Weekly Refresh. Now, we've explored the Babylonian captivity often in these studies, and today we'll see the details of the siege on Jerusalem in 586 BC and the aftermath for the people, specifically that of the Judean kings. For reference, here's a list of four of the final five kings of Judah. We have left off one of the kings because he's somewhat irrelevant to this portion of the story. The 16th king was Josiah, who reigned 31 years from 640 to 608 BC. He was a good king, and he was the last good king that Judah had. The 18th king is Jehoiakim, who reigned 11 years from 608 to 597 BC, and he was an evil king. <clears throat> the 19th king is or was Jehoiachin, who is Jehoiakim's son. He reigned three months in 597 BC. He was an evil king. The 20th king and final king was Zedekiah, who is Josiah's son. And he reigned 11 years from 597 to 586 BC. And he also was an evil king. Jehoiakim is Josiah's son. Jehoiachin is Jehoiakim's son. And Zedekiah is Josiah's son. I know this can be hard to track with all these unique names and lineages, but I hope to clarify who does what in this account so that you can understand how God worked his justice in Judah and what lessons we can learn from these evil kings. In Jeremiah's final chapter, chapter 52, he references all three final kings and we learn what happens to Jehoiachin and Zedekiah. Before we do that, it's helpful to give a little context to Jehoiakim first. In Jeremiah 36, Jeremiah has Baruch record the words of the Lord that Jeremiah spoke from the Lord. Baruch wrote the words on a scroll and read them to all the people as they gathered in Jerusalem for a religious time of fasting. When these words were reported to King Jehoiakim, he had the scroll brought to him and it was read to him by Jehudai, As Jehudai read each column of the scroll, Jehoiakim would cut off the red portion of the scroll and throw it in the fire until the scroll was burned, the entire scroll was burned and destroyed. God commanded Jeremiah to repeat the process and have the word written again on a scroll. But concerning Jehoiakim, because he had burned the word of God, God said to Jeremiah, God said in Jeremiah 3630, Thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah He shall have none to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat by day and the frost by night. In Jeremiah 37 1, God follows through on his promise and makes Zedekiah the king of Judah instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim. Jehoiachin, who was Jehoiakim's son, did get a seat on the throne, but only for three months, thus fulfilling God's promise that the rule of Jehoiakim's lineage would not continue. Not only did Jehoiakim lose the throne, but he also lost his life in gruesome fashion. He was set up as a vassal king in Judah, under the authority of Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and he would have to pay tribute to Babylon. Eventually, Jehoiakim rebels and refuses to pay tribute and his rebellion is met with battle, in which he was slaughtered and his dead body was thrown over the city walls to show the armies that the king was dead. And they dragged his body to its burial place, which God declared earlier in Jeremiah twenty-two nineteen, which says, With the burial of a donkey, he shall be buried, dragged and dumped beyond the gates of Jerusalem. This is often the cost of doing evil against a holy God, a price that Jehoiakim paid in disturbing fashion. It seems that God is preparing Judah with a good king from the line of Josiah with the installation of Zedekiah. However, when we get to Jeremiah 52, 1-2, we find these words. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that Jehoiakim had done. So Zedekiah was an evil king, following the path of Jehoiakim instead of the path of his father, Josiah. As a result of his endless evil uh, in the t- last 23 years of Judah, God finally fulfilled his repeated promise to destroy Judah at the hands of Babylon. So instead of explaining what happened, let's read it directly from the text. Jeremiah 52, 3-11 through 11. For because of the anger of the Lord, things came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he cast them out from his presence. And Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. And in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came with all his army against Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And they built siege works all around it. So the city was besieged till the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then a breach was made in the city, and all the men of war fled and went out from the city by night by the way of a gate between the two walls by the king's garden, while the Chaldeans, that's the Babylonians, were around the city. And they went in the direction of the Arabah, But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And all his army was scattered from him. And they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon in Riblah, in the land of Hamath. And he passed sentence on him. And the king of Babylon slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes, and also slaughtered all the officials of Judah at Riblah. He put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him in chains, and the king of Babylon took him to Babylon and put him in prison till the day of his death. Again, a gruesome and painful death as payment for doing evil against a holy God. The rest of Jeremiah 52 records the details of the Babylonians destroying the temple and the city and the walls, which Nehemiah and Ezra would later restore after captivity. The remainder of the chapter also notes how many people were captured, who was captured, and who was killed. So at this point, we know what happened to the 18th king, Jehoiakim. He was killed, dumped over the city wall, and dragged to his dishonorable burial as a donkey. We also know what happened to the 20th and final evil king of Judah, King Zedekiah. He was captured by Babylon, had his sons and officials slaughtered before his eyes, then his eyes were plucked out, and he was put in prison until his death. But what happened to Jehoiachin, the 19th king? He was captured by Nebuchadnezzar and taken into captivity, and Nebuchadnezzar replaced him with Zedekiah as king over Judah. Jehoiachin's fate isn't revealed until the final words from Jeremiah's book in 52, 31-34. And it says, And in the 37th year of the exile of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the 12th month, on the 25th day of the month, evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he became king, lifted up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, and brought him out of prison. And he spoke kindly to him and gave him a seat above the seats of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin put off his prison garments. And every day of his life, he dined regularly at the king's table. And for his allowance, a regular allowance was given him by the king according to his daily need until the day of his death as long as he lived. I'm guessing that didn't go the way you thought it would, considering how Babylon treated Jehoiakim and Zedekiah. But what we have here is really a tale of two kings. Both are evil, both rebel against God and also rebel against their enemies, And both are imprisoned. One is met with the gruesome death, and the other is met with pardon and blessing. As much as there is a lesson here to be seen in that God can graciously bless us despite our evil deeds, there is a more prominent truth to glean from this historical account. Evil will do one of two things to us in this life. It either promises our demise, or it promises untold blessings and riches and comforts in this life. We know that evil kills because we know that the product of our sinful and evil nature is eternal damnation away from the presence of God and anything good. So we can understand God's righteous judgment on Zedekiah. With a warning in scripture like this, fear of judgment and death may cause us to steer clear of evil, knowing that evil works will always be met with death. Therefore, when evil is an option and death is not a result but rather it comes with a promise of wealth, possessions, freedom, and comfort. Our love for God and hatred for evil is tested. If we are quick to avoid evil because of the earthly ramifications, yet we are quick to accept evil when it won't cause us harm in this life, then that reveals that it is not a love for God that motivates us to avoid evil, but that it is the earthly consequences that motivate us, thus exposing our evil motivations. Jesus was tempted the same. He was promised earthly blessings beyond any other human by Satan. The devil offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, no earthly suffering, just a life of wealth, possessions, freedom, comfort, rule, and power. Yet Jesus resisted, revealing that earthly consequences were not his priority, but that obedience to God, a love for God, And a hatred for that which God hates was his motivation. Meaning Jesus was motivated by holiness, by God Himself, and the power of the Spirit to resist the worldly ease, so to suffer in this life as a means to enjoy genuine wealth, possessions, freedom, comfort, rule, power, and blessings for eternity. Both Zedekiah and Jehoiachin were evil, but each had different consequences for their evil. One was blessed by an earthly king while the other was killed. The point that we should avoid, the point that we should avoid evil is obvious. And Scripture is clear about that. As Psalm 37 27 says, Avoid evil. But what these two kings reveal for us is the importance of what motivates us to do good and avoid evil. It reveals if we are motivated by earthly consequences or by a desire to honor the God we love. Do we avoid evil because the worldly consequences we will face, or do we avoid evil because we love God, follow Jesus, and love righteousness with a renewed spirit? That is the question we must discover for ourselves, because it will be revealed in time. And when it is, we must be ready to face worldly suffering for choosing righteousness instead of falling for evil because of the earthly benefits and lack of consequences it has in this life. Eventually, God will sort it all out, and the truth will be revealed, and our hearts will be exposed before him, and only that which was motivated by God honoring righteousness will endure the flames of his refining fire. But until that happens, we have today, we have this life, to choose to do good, not for any reason other than we love God and follow Jesus. At the core, that is the only motivation that matters, regardless of consequences. We will serve our sanctification well to consider what motivates us today so that we are prepared for tomorrow because we do not know what tomorrow will bring.